Coming up on This Week in Games, Tencent dips its toes into global digital storefronts. YouTube wants to get into interactions, and Epic Games pulls a legend out of retirement. Coming up This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and sadly to say, I'm super sick right now. I got sick at GDC. Uh, it took me like two weeks to get over the GDC sickness. And then this week, there's a Google Cloud conference in San Francisco. I was just attending to meet friends after the conference, you know. Got another conference sickness, guys. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I can't. I can't go to conferences anymore. I realize my immune system is just too crappy to stick up with all the people in close spaces. But the game industry didn't have a week off, so plenty to cover. Let's run down into it. Tencent launches their digital store worldwide in an early access form. So WeGameX, Tencent's PC digital storefront, is available in English and in early access. This comes during an ongoing conversation on PC digital stores on what exclusivity and competition and distribution means for the PC master race with Epic and Valve, you know, going back and forth, especially Epic having um, PC exclusives, games that are released that everyone wants that you can only get through Epic store. Um, and then when a company does that, people go on Valve store and has been doing what are called review bombs, where everyone reviews older games from that company and gives them all negative reviews for their new games only coming out on Epic's platform. Tencent's main goal is to leverage the rest of the world in offering their Chinese-exclusive games to other demographics and languages. Currently, the store features 17 games. Now, although the game licenses have begun to trickle back in in China, it makes sense for Tencent to look westworld for its expanding revenue. You know, they have... High-quality games that are isolated to one country and one language. However, this is a pretty random offering because outside of expat, Chinese expats, like who's going to buy Chinese-exclusive games in English? Not really that big of a market, you know. Um, a lot of these games don't translate very well. A lot of them are either like too much grinding, too much of one thing. They're too focused on one thing or have like nuances that really exist in Chinese games but don't translate well to mass market in like North America or Europe. That being said, it's like Tencent needs to figure out what it is. Like at the moment, are they an index? Are they a publisher? Are they a developer? Or are they a distributor? And frankly, Tencent could conquer the gaming world, but you know, they just need to focus and they need to like stop dipping their toes in in these weird nuanced situations where like, oh, we own League of Legends and we own distribution for it in China, but Riot owns it for like North America and Europe and this and that and that. Like, if Tencent came together and actually had a model like this is how we invest in a company, when we invest in a company, we get this, and then here's how we distribute it and publish it worldwide. I mean, the sky's the limit for them, but uh, 17 games that are only available in China that are now available, well, in English in an early access form, we'll have to wait and see. Who knows? Next up, YouTube is enable interactive narratives. So, Bloomberg reports YouTube is launching a new business unit to create original programming and live specials that will invite audiences to choose how the story unfolds. 
I don't know, guys. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really not bearish on interactive narratives. To me, it's too little, too late. I didn't exactly find Bannersnatch to be an amazing experience that warrants repeating. And starting this initiative well after Netflix is also a big negative because Netflix started the Bandersnatch stuff many years ago and only just recently unveiled it, rolled it out. And, you know, it didn't really like hit kind of like the crazy hype that warrants YouTube now following suit. Narratives are where you make narratives where you make choices generally feel like they're lacking consequences and permanence. So let's say you make a bunch of choices and you end up getting a main character killed. But if you knew the choice could be changed so that you could save the character, you kind of feel annoyed that you made the incorrect choice by getting the character killed. And you don't feel like, Oh, I just, the character just died. I'm emotional. This stirred up emotions of a main character dying. You actually are like, fuck, I got this character killed. So I don't know. Interactive narratives have never been a big draw. And even as a kid with the interactive, like, choose your own adventure books, I always just find myself turning to all the endings just to see what they are. But you, eh, it doesn't really feel like a narrative. It doesn't feel like a single story being told with consequences and things at stake. It feels like, you know, let me see if I can min-max and optimize the story for the best ending. I don't know. We'll have to see. Next up, our What the Fuck story of the week comes to us from Activision Blizzard. So our favorite punching bag publisher is now paying employees $1 per day for personal medical information. The story comes from an article on Ovia, a pregnancy tracking app in which Activision Blizzard is incentivizing employees who are trying to get pregnant to use the app in which the app collects sleep schedule, diet and weight, and other things like when they have sex, mood, and appearance of the cervical fluid. Activision Blizzard will have access to this data in an anonymized fashion in hopes that this leads to increased health and productivity within the company. What the fuck? <laughs> this shit is bizarre. How is the information going to help you run a better game company? How is knowing like how often your female employees who are trying to get pregnant or having sex going to help you run a game company? <laughs> you tell me, HR at Activision Blizzard. If anything, honestly, I'd be worried that through a number of means, Activision Blizzard would see this anonymized data and then could target certain women that they suspect may be pregnant or trying to get pregnant during their next um, next round of massive layoffs like seems like a terrible idea and one dollar per day oh wow three hundred and sixty dollars and a gift certificate at the end of the year for telling activision blizzard your cervical fluid color oh just terrible. Just terrible. Someone stop it. <laughs> Let's move on. All right. And some business news. Zola Funding Club has launched a service to connect investors to developers. So during PAX East, PAX East Game Industry.biz Investment Summit, Zola has announced a service that will give developers access to funding and technology, all while keeping control of the IP through self-publishing. The Zola Funding Club will handpick their first batch of games for VCs to look at based on kind of games potential global appeal the investment comes in many forms and many different models though those models and forms were not elaborated on during the presentation it's pretty interesting i mean at the end of the day there's a few questions that weren't answered for many reasons number one what is zola's funding club cut of everything um they say it's free to sign up but that doesn't mean anything um number two if an investment doesn't take control of the IP and the investment encourages developers to self-publish, it really only leads to two things, and that's kind of like debt or equity. 
Personally, I think it's foolish to fund development on a single game through something permanent like equity investment. So it pretty much should probably only be debt. And debt investment, you know, could be rough depending on its repayment terms and repayment structure and repayment time period. Honestly, debt is better than equity, probably better than the traditional publisher studio model. But at the end of the day, it's like how many studios that can't get funding would actually succeed on a debt funding basis and the answer is probably like none so it's a weird thing when you look at this like it's zola funding club this isn't valve funding club so it's it's an it's a service aggregating vcs and handpicking developers to then be pitched to the vcs and then the vcs offer them you know some kind of terms i don't know if, if you're at this point where you need to turn to this type of funding club to help you who gets a cut you're probably not good enough to get funding. And then on the flip side, the VCs who are offering something through a service like this are probably offering worse deals than they normally would if you just talk to them outside of service. These are my two cents. Um, I have no information to back this up, but I'd be skeptical. All right, let's round off some people news. Epic Games taps Respawn Entertainment and Affinity World Ward co-founder out of retirement. Jason West, half of the duo, along with Vince Zampella, Zampella, sorry, I'm so sick, guys. Um, Jason West and Vince created Infinity World and also created Respawn Entertainment. They change FPSs forever. Jason West has come out of a six-year hiatus or retirement, as you know you normally call it, to join Epic Games. West has announced what he'd be working on, um, and he hasn't worked since his sudden retirement in March of 2013. Frankly, uh, I'm curious to see what he's doing. Hefty price tag. Jason West, I imagine, uh, comes at a giant price tag. So what? it's not like they're saying he's going to be C-suite. So does that mean he's running a studio from scratch? Does that mean Epic, uh, you know, is Epic going to create a new studio and hand it over for him? It's pretty interesting. We'll have to see how this unfolds. Um, if I had to place money on this, I'd say Epic... You know, they have Fortnite, which targets a very younger demographic. I'd say they paid Jason West to kind of build the competitor to Apex Legends, you know, the thing that targets a much older demographic. And if Epic could get both, you know, they're printing money. They're already printing money. All right, last story. IGDA, International Game Developers Association Executive Director Jen McLean, has stepped down. After 20 months as the head of the IGDA, Jen McLean steps down to pursue a new role. Very vague. Um, <laughs> you know, this reminds me of politics. People take positions within a government, kind of petitions of power, that don't pay well. Um, there's no, like, career advancement. And then after, like, one or two years making connections, you know, getting to know people, getting their name out there, they leave for, like, a lobbying, consulting firm, think tank, or some other type of connection-based firm. And... You know, I hate to think negatively, but that's kind of what we do on this show. So I have to assume Jen McLean uh, had no intention of staying with the IGDA forever. Um, she wanted an executive director title, which is kind of like the CEO. And uh, she got it. And now she'll probably go back to being an executive at some company getting paid a lot of money. Now, I think she was an executive at like AOL or Verizon and a couple of other companies before this role. But still... It was kind of weird when she got, I think, 
uh, it was kind of weird when she got the job in the first place, um, not coming from like a heavy gaming background. And it's kind of weird that she left after 20 months. So the IGDA chair is searching for a new replacement. So, and they have no one even as an interim replacement at the moment. So go ahead and email them. They might, uh, they might set you up. All right. I'm sick. I'll see you guys next week. I'm Eric McConnell signing off for This Week in Games. Take care. Bye.